welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Blessed be the name of Jesus. What a wonderful and powerful name it is. Um, But name is only a referent. Um, His name, his name, Yahshua Hamashiach. We reverence his name and honor his name and lift him up. And um, I'm so thankful and honored to be able to be a representative of that name. How many of you glad to be a representative of that name? He has a powerful name, a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord, as we dig in for your name and your glory and your praise. In Jesus' name. I'm turning your Bibles with me to Psalm 51. We're still in our simplicity series. Psalm the 51st chapter. Yes, yes, yes. God is good. God is good. Psalm 51. Um, We will be in here today. Psalm 51 verses verses 1 through 13. Let's read. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion. And my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass judgment or sentence on me. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. 
um, I would like to talk about today in our message on simplicity, how God changes us, how God changes us, Lord God, our Father, almighty maker of all things, uh, constructor of the new creation, potter of our hearts, Garter of our minds, walker for our feet, life for our breath, sight for our eyes, sensitivity for our souls. Will you be with us today, Almighty Master? Will you teach us why change is a constant and needed important thing in the life of of us and one of the most simple things that you constantly require. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How God changes us. Simplicity. Um, we live in a society where everyone is enjoying having a voice. Sometimes that can be a blessing. <laughs> And in the other situations, it can probably be quite the bit of a challenge. Um, the, the, you know, the blessing is, is the voiceless can have a voice. Um, the blessing is, is that information can move fast if there's a crisis to help people who are in need, if you will, of getting the information so they can properly respond, whether it's through healthy, helping in some way or being cautious in another way. It's so many blessings to it. Um, I can't deny that. However, there are a lot of challenges to it. And, uh, you know, in a society where everybody has a voice, particularly on social media, um, every, people think they're expert on everything. I mean, people making comments about what the doctors should do. You know, people get a little article, a little research, a little periodical, and they think they have a PhD in everything. Let me just tell you, there's no such thing as an everything PhD. Um, and so, I mean, all of us, we think we know your mama taught you some folk tales growing up. Um, you know, you, you, you just make that normative. Uh, using limited info to give extensive responses. <laughs> you know, we can hear a little bit of something. We can get a little bit of info from something, become an expert and just start talking, right? Uh, but then it can be used to get people in trouble. Um, it, it, the challenge is it can be used to get people in trouble. Many times, for instance, if someone says... Uh, something about a particular group that doesn't go over well or doesn't isn't expected, whether they say something about black people or women or the LGBT community or, or, or Jews, whatever. Like if something comes up, what ends up happening is the person usually said what they said from their chest. What I mean by that is they meant what they said. But what ends up happening is when they get a bunch of backlash, lose some money or opportunity, they're forced to issue an apology. And usually the apology is superlatively professional, like they didn't mean what they said. And, you know, it, 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 it's, the apology is political because they didn't say the apology with the same intensity that they said the craziness that they said. Because, why? Why? Because a forced apology is always disingenuous. And listen, you can't, you, listen, you, you can't healthily apologize for something that you said from your chest in 24 hours with a clean heart. <laughs> so let me, let me just explain something to you. 
As we work through how God changes us, one of the major ways that God changes us is through how we repent. Oh, I, ain't nobody going to say amen today. It's okay. But, but repentance is one of the major ways that God changes us. Now, let's talk about real quick what repentance is not. Repentance, and we'll talk later about it. it, 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 it uh, uh, repentance isn't just the acknowledgement of the wrong that you did. It's not. But it is to agree with God that it's wrong. That's number one, that God says it's wrong. Number two, the willingness to own the sin. We're going to come back to that. Next one is to face what is needed to deal with the sin. This is very, very, very important as we dive into this. <laughs> and lastly, turn away from it in thinking passions and actions. Oh, my God. I could just do the entire sermon on that part. You have to turn away from the sin in thinking in passions and in actions. Charles Spurgeon writes this, repentance is a discovery of the evil of sin. <clears throat> a mourning that we have committed it, a resolution, listen, to forsake it. It is, in fact, a change of mind of a very deep and practical character, which makes the man or woman love what once he hated and hate what once he or she loved. That's, a, that's repentance. When, when now what you love, you hate it because God hates it. The repentance is when you begin this, the, the process of feeling about sin like God does. And if you don't hate sin, something that you love to do that you ain't had no business doing, then you aren't repentant yet. If it, if it doesn't make your skin crawl, if it doesn't make your skin crawl, I, I, I mean, you, 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 you're not repentant yet. I saw somebody, um, it's this scene in, uh, in, in uh, Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones sits down at this beautiful table in this, in, this, in this place, and they got all kinds of delicacies out there. And this dude had, listen, I'm, I'm sorry for this, but it's just it, to help this illustrate. Dude brought out a head of a monkey with, with it cut off in the brains there. He brought it out, pulled the top off, he said, chilled monkey brains. And the dude was like, I mean, I don't want to eat no monkey brains, and you don't want to eat no monkey brains. But the way something that we would repulse eating how we feel about it, that's how repentance is supposed to feel about the sin that we used to love. We have to literally repudiate it. Listen to what J.I. Please let me intro this. Um, J.I. Packer says, repentance means turning from as much as you know of. <laughs> I like that. You, you know, we got some stuff that we don't know that we did that we need to repent of, but we're not, a knowledge, we're not knowledgeable of it yet, but we have to repent of what we know of, your sin, to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. And as our knowledge grows at those points, our practice of repentance grows. Another said this. I, I just love repentance quotes because they help me to think through it better, to work through it better. Another one writes, repenting means experiencing a change of mind that now sees God as true. 
and beautiful and worthy of our praise and all our obedience. Another cool Spurgeon quote. I got a, I got a couple more of these quotes. I want you to think through this and, and get this in your mind as we get into, into, this, uh, into this message in Psalm 51. Spurgeon says, I learned from Scripture that repentance is just as necessary to salvation as faith. You, you really got to know what I'm saying right now, family. Repentance and faith. A lack of repentance is a lack of faith. You can't get saved without repentance. You can't. Because repentance is simultaneous with faith. It's not a meritorious act. It's a submissive act. That means you're not saving yourself by repenting. You're acknowledging that you need God. <laughs> Help me, God. And the faith that has not repentance going with it will not, what he said, will have to be repented of. Did you hear that? The faith that doesn't have repentance with it isn't faith. Anyway, repentance is much of a mark of a Christian. Oh, you really got to hear this. It's a mark of a Christian as faith is. A very little sin, as the world called it, is a very great sin to a true Christian. One of the things our relationship with Jesus gives to us is access, this is me, repentance and forgiveness. Lastly, Hokama. This book, Saved by Grace, great book. He says, though regeneration occurs at the beginning, regeneration means be born again. At the beginning of the Christian life, it, its effects continue. This is powerful. As the believer lives a regenerate life, what do we mean? You're born again. You're called to be new. You can't continue to, me, me neither, use the excuse, we are just human. All right. That's not a true reality of a believer. You're not just human. You're born again. So you don't get to live in, man, every, we, we all go and go make mistakes. Like you're looking forward to a mistake. We're, we're going to talk about the word mistake as a substandard word for sin anyway. As the believer lives a regenerate life, although faith and repentance occur at the beginning, they must continue to be exercised throughout the Christian life. Listen, our Christian life has to be full of it. In my marriage, I have to be full of it. In my relationship with my kids, listen, you gotta be, you can't, see we as parents, you know, when we do something wrong, <clears throat> you know, some of us, because the parent is in the, the lead role, we don't repent to our kids. And we're going to talk a lot about the inability to hear stuff, too, in this sermon. Because if you can't, you won't change unless, unless you're able to hear hard stuff from people about you that's true. <clears throat> this, this is going to help us, I believe. So I got three things to say today, three points, and I'm out your way. If God changes us in three ways, uh, and, and, and I promise, I'm out of your way. The first one is you have to relinquish. <laughs> you got to relinquish. You got to understand that God renews or renewal. And the last one is restoration. Relinquish, renewal, restoration. I want us to <clears throat> dig in here. He says, David, 
in this psalm is writing this psalm after his sin that he committed. He wrote two, actually. He wrote Psalm 51 and he wrote Psalm 34. After his sin with Bathsheba, um, he wrote this psalm in retrospect to what he had experienced in the situation, what he experienced after the situation and later on. <clears throat> and so this is believed to be months later after the miscarriage that Bathsheba had with him sleeping with her, killing her husband to, after he wouldn't sleep with her. He tried to do that to cover up the sin, then marry her and act like the pregnancy was, it was a mess. <laughs> David had committed a mess. And I don't know about you, but have you ever made a mess? Have you made an absolute mess of stuff? And you felt absolutely, I mean, I mean I, I, I'm talking to the people that have needed God for some dirty trifling stuff that they've done in their life. You've broken some hearts, you've torn up some households, you've done some crazy, and, and, and you don't know wh where to go. And David is writing this still in the process of trying to experience God months later working through repentance. Let me tell you this, repentance is not merely an event, it's a process. <laughs> Stay with me, <laughs> because some of the stuff that, 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 you, that you realize you did to people or how you hurt God or whatever, you, you're sometimes it takes time to process that. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but when we talk about relinquish, David says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful <laughs> love, according to your abundant compassion, Blot out my rebellion. A couple things here. One of the things that we see here in this, in this first passage is David is heavy on the character of God. <laughs> He's heavy on <laughs> who God is. And it's not, listen, <clears throat> it's not to tell God who he is like he doesn't know who he is. God doesn't need a, a theological lexicon or a commentary to know who he is. He doesn't need the Bible <clears throat> to know who he is, and he doesn't need worship for us to for, for him to know who he is. But David is saying this because he's invoking covenant. He's invoking covenant. What do I mean by that? He's asking God to remember what was written about repentance. And so he invokes covenant because he knows, see. You know you sin when you, when you feel what God has the right to do to you. And so because you feel what God has the right to do, you have to nurture yourself to spiritual sanity. How do you do that? You, you, he says, be gracious to me because he know God doesn't have to be. See, some of us little entitled picklehead jokers, we think God owes us something. But he asked for God to be gracious to him. In other, in other words, God, uh, 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 show chesed to me. And he'll, show, he'll show this in, uh, he said, according to your chesed, your loyal love. In other words, the way, your covenant loyalty. Chesed is covenant language. And so he's invoking God's character and what he's, that's how you, you, this is not just theologically weighty prayer. This is understand, this is intimate because you know how he is. 
See, you, when you pray to God, you have to know what he's like. That's why, that's why when, when, when God was going to kill Israel, Moses said, well, God, if you, you know, you can do what you want to do because you're God. But do you want them to look at you and, you know, you done brought us out here to kill them and then you don't get the glory that you. He, see, that's not bargaining with God. It's speaking to God in heavenly terms. And so God responded. Look at what David said. He said, according to your abundant compassion. He said, I know you got some. You got some of that for me. Because it's so abundant. Come give me some of that. I need it. You ever needed God's not just compassion. You know, you add, uh, when you add a superlative to that, abund- not just, God, I need compassion. I need abundant compassion. That means I need you to stop the entire bus for me, God. Listen, I know, I know that this can go really, really bad for me, God. So, so, so please show abundant compassion. But this is what I like, though, that he says at the end of the verse. He says, blot out my mistake. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. He said, he said, he said, you know, blot, blot out my mishap. Blot out my shortcomings. No, he said, blot out my rebellion. Let me tell you how important that is. It's super important for you to call your sin what it is. It's several times in the passage, you will see David... Call his sin what it is. In verse 1, he calls it rebellion. In verse 2, he calls it sin. In verse 3, he calls it rebellion. In verse 4, he calls it sin. He calls it evil. In verse 5, he calls it guilt. In verse 9, he calls it sin, my sins and my guilt. In verse 14, he calls it the guilt of bloodshed. Listen, one of the things you have to do if you're going to be repentant is you you can't nurse what it was that you did. You have to say, you can't say, I'm sorry that you, I'm getting ahead of myself. But you have to call your sin fully what your sin is because you need that for your soul. Because you can't repent of what you don't call. You got to call it what, well, you can't say to somebody, whatever I did to you, that's not repentance. We're going to come back to that in a second. Because repentance is repenting of something specific that you did, not an idea that somebody feels about you. This is very important. And so David David calls his sin to the carpet. We don't like to call ourselves to the carpet because we, we believe that's traumatizing ourselves. You know, we got these new words that everybody's using for wrong reasons. That's why if you rebuke somebody, they're talking about, they're talking about you hurt me and you traumatized me by what you did. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I just did not feel cared for. I don't feel cared for. You sinned. What do you mean you don't feel cared for? I don't feel cared for what you did to me. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be very, very clear about this. He said completely. I love this. Verse 2. He says completely wash away my guilt. And cleanse me from my sin. Guilt in the, in, in the idea of the Bible is called expiation. Somebody say expiation. You have propitiation, the theological term, which means uh, the removal of the wrath of God. That's, that's Romans uh, uh, chapter 5, uh, 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 verse 9. The remo- <clears throat> but expiation is the removal of guilt. That's Hebrews 10. The removal of guilt. In other words, God, don't just remove your wrath from me. Remove how I feel about my sin because some of us are on the other side. 
we get hyper depressed about our sin because we don't forgive ourselves and we don't allow. When you hold on to how hurt you are because of what you did, then what you begin to do is you, uh, you, su you supersede what Christ died on the cross to bring to you. The Bible says, surely he bore our griefs and our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So if he, he, he died and he carried your guilt, he carried your guilt. What you feel about it, he won't. Now see, you, you can't ask for freedom from the guilt until you feel the pain of what you did. You got to go through. It's a process. It's the process of realizing what you did, feeling the impact at ground zero and in process what you did. And then as that, because that's why David says, uh, you, you crush my bones. That's, 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 that's a terminology for conviction and pain of feeling how heavy your sin was. And, and, and we can't rush past that because that's a part of the repentance process. It's feeling what you did. And so he says, that, that's, let, me, let me say this here. That's why it's dangerous for you to say I forgive you to a person that isn't repentant yet. Let me, let me explain to you. God doesn't forgive without repentance. Did you know that? Did you know that? When you tell somebody, I forgive you. Now, Jesus didn't say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they He's talking to God. Before God. But however, in restorative relationship, when, when, people, when, when people don't repent, it's hard for them to really repent in their heart with forgiveness going before it. We'll talk about that in a second. Y'all looking at me funny. But if you know your Bible, you know that's a reality. Look at verse 3. Now, this is very important to what we're saying. And then we'll move to the positive stuff. Says, he says, for I am conscious of my rebellion. He says, and my sin is ever before me. The word here for conscious is the word yadach. The word yada means to know intimately. It's the word used of knowing a spouse or God knowing Jeremiah before he was placed in the room. Intimate knowledge, right? So what the psalmist is saying is the psalmist is intimately knowledgeable of his sin. He wasn't blind to the reality of, this, of his sin. Listen, he said, I know my sin and my sin is ever before me. Old translation. The statement is true and the deep knowledge of one's sins, uh, one's need for repentance the idea is seeing oneself rightly. You and I cannot expect to repent unless we are generally and specifically clear on the sinfulness of sin. You probably have never heard sin this much in a sermon ever. Right? So we're clear on the sinfulness of sin. David, listen, was clear about the specific rebellion of his heart. That, that's, that's very, very important. That we know the specific, what was the rebellion of our heart? See, sometimes it's not the sin itself, it's the heart rebellion that went behind that particular sin that thought that we could just do it. We're going to make this clear in a second. The, repentance, the repentant don't justify their sin. So when, you, when you're repenting to someone, repenting to God, you don't justify what's saying, well, if, if you didn't put me in this situation, I wouldn't have. I had a friend that went through a very, very difficult situation. They went through a, a very, very difficult sin that went public in his sphere, dear friend. And um, some people 
were, were coming after him using the fact that he sinned as a way to slander him and take some stuff from him financially and otherwise. And so some people around him was like, come on, let's go do this and let's go do that. Let's go fight this and let's stand up. And, and he said, he said before, I, before we talk about this, this thing, I, I, I've, I've never seen anything like He said, I know they're wrong for what they're doing. He said, but if I didn't sin, they wouldn't have the ammo to do what they're doing. That's repentance. Repentance is knowing you can get mad at someone's, you don't have the right as the person who sinned to get mad at people's response to it. You can't sin and then guard the gate of people's emotions. Doesn't make any sense. And that shows you you're not repentant. Because you think that your sin isn't as sinful as their response is. You think you don't deserve their response. Listen, David one time was leaving the kingdom when Absalom had took over the kingdom. He was walking out. A dude started cussing him out on the road. Joab was like, I'll kill him right now. David says, no, it may be the Lord rebuking me through him for my sin. Because he knew that the position that he had got into was because of years before of what he did. And he said, wait a minute. If I rebuke him, I may be rebuking God. It's a hard pill to swallow that we have to have. Listen, God gives you the emotional fortitude to walk through your sin as painful as it is. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. <clears throat> By blaming, you can't blame the environment that someone else sin created for them. You have to acknowledge and be committed to the repentant. Listen, must repent of benefiting off of the sin of others. That's what happens. Repentance is not you arguing about the finer details of it. Well, it was this, but let me tell you what it wasn't. Like, if you're arguing about what it wasn't and you're saying that, and let me just tell you what this wasn't. It wasn't this, but you're still trying to protect yourself. You have to repent. The Bible says, where many words are, sin is ever present. <laughs> Isn't that deep? Isn't that deep? Yeah. And so, and so we, we, we as believers, um, and, and it's hard. I'm not trying to paint a picture like repentance is easy. Matter of fact, let me tell you how hard repentance is. You can't willfully sin and say, I'm going to repent afterwards. <laughs> let me tell you, let me, let me, do y'all hear that? Because Hebrews 3.13 says sin causes a hardening effect. If sin causes a hardening effect in your heart, you can't repent. You need help. Listen, repentance is supernatural. It is, it is not you saying, I'm going to repent. You need God to unharden the hardened places in your life. I'm getting ahead of myself. Repentance isn't apologizing to someone for, for how someone felt about what you did. You ever, you ever told somebody what they did to you and they said, I'm sorry that you felt that way? But that wasn't an apology. Do y'all hear me today? Yeah. That's not repent. I'm sorry about how you felt. If it's a sin, because basically you're saying, I don't see it that way. And I didn't, I don't think I did it, but I'm sorry you felt like that. Even though you know you sinned against them. Like, if, if it's true that, man, I, I'm sorry you felt that way, and you didn't sin, that's different. But if you sin and you said, I'm sorry you felt that way, you're not repenting. You're just, you, 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 you're, you're, you're patronizing where they are in relation to what you did to them. 
I wish y'all would hear me today. Repentance is specific, not general. It, whatever, when you say whatever I might have done, that's not repentance. <laughs> so, because so, so, to be unrepentant is to be narcissistic. And many of us got a little bit of narcissism in us. See, narcissism is selfish, involving a sense of entitlement and a lack of empathy and a need for admiration. Repentance goes against all that. All of that. And guess what he says in verse 4? He says, against you and you alone I have sinned. So you are right when you pass judgment or sentence. You are blameless when you judge. I did this evil in your sight. It's not that David doesn't know that he didn't sin, that he didn't sin against his wife, his kids, Uriah, Bathsheba, and the kingdom. He ultimately knows that he sinned against God. And why is that important? Because you can't repent well to others until you understand that it was ultimately against God. This is, that's super important. Because he understands that it's ultimately against God. And when you understand sin from an eternal and spiritual perspective, it impacts the depth of repentance we can have towards those who are on the temporal plane. Because if you're repenting to man, you're, 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 listen, you're, you're context repenting or temporal repenting. That means that you're, you, you, you don't like the consequences that happen in those relationships, so you have limited repentance. When you repent before God, it, it's 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 feet in the air, and, and, and you're seeing it ultimately from his perspective so that when you come down, you have a different disposition towards its effects on all of the people around you. Yeah. All right. You know, sin, let me tell you something. And, and when we sin, this is important for us not to rush people through their process of grieving what we did to them. You can't say, when you going to get over it? Are you, have you lost your mind? <laughs> like, I already repented. What else do you want? If you, that, that right, that, that's how you know you're not repentant. Because repentance doesn't rush people through the emotional turmoil that you cause for them. That's not what we do. And so he says, indeed, I was guilty and I was sinful from my mother's room. Renewal. Next one, renewal, verse 6. He says, look at this. He says, surely you desire integrity in the inner self. This is so dope. This is so dope. And you teach me wisdom deep within. So now he's talking about the process. God has unhardened his heart at this point. His heart isn't as hard anymore. And now he's being superlatively introspective. And now he knows what God wants from him. God wants to restructure different parts of us. So guess what he says? He said, you desire or delight. You take pleasure in integrity. What is integrity? It means sincerity and honesty and firmness. Sincerity and honesty and firmness and stability. You, 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 you want, you, that, this is what integrity means here. Some translations say truth, but, but, but the reality of this is not just informational, it's dispositional. In the inner self, in the deepest recesses of our soul, God wants truth. Um, see, repentance starts in deep place. So, sometimes, as you're going through the process of repentance, you don't realize why you did what you did and where it came from. And so the process of God doing spiritual surgery 
That's why it says he's teaching me wisdom deep within. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the word that means to skillfully live out what you know. Doesn't just mean information. It's this, it's this, it's, in, in this context, it means good decision making around areas of sin. That means, that means there's some places that I'm going to have to just fall back from. There's some people, there's some pages that I'm going to have to fall back from. There's some linguistics. Uh, uh, there's some th- I, I, I got to begin falling back. In other words, in other words, I got to put wisdom, skillful living around me and good decision making. Because usually sin comes from bad decision making. <laughs> um, it, it, it comes from bad decision making. He said, you want, uh, you, you want truth, you want wisdom deep within me. David lets us know here that this incident is deeper than his sin that he committed. So he, he said, you want stuff way down in the deeper parts. I always tell the, tell, tell the story here when we um, started, when we uh, bought the building. And, and, I, and I always tell you about the fact that the exterminator said, when he came in, I mean, we had rats, roaches, we had everything in here. Let's, every, you, you'd be standing up here, pew, just walk, run past you. You know, uh, everywhere. Um, and, I mean, it was such an infestation, we couldn't even believe it. We had bats upstairs. Bats. You know you, your, your, your situation different. You got rats, mice, roaches, spiders, and bats. We had everything. And the guy said, Pastor, this is such a bad infestation. Um, I, I, have, I need you to open every door. I was like, open it. He said, I said, why well, I got to open it? He said, leave every door propped open. He said, because if you leave some closed, when I clean these other spaces, you open those other doors, it'll reinfest everything. See, when God wants to do soul surgery on you, he wants you to open up the secret places in your life. He, he, wants, you to, oh, he wants you to open up everything in your life family. He wants you to op- open up your family history. He op- wants you to open up how your dad used to treat you. Because you don't even realize your unrepentance comes from the pain possibly that you experienced from childhood. And it reminds you of that. And so you put up a shell that has made it difficult for you to repent because you had to grow up trying to be tough. And because you had to grow up trying to be tough and house it, be emotionally tough and have all this fortitude, repentance is difficult because the side effect of you walking in your own strength creates a lack of repentance. So you, you, have to, you have to begin to visit the places that you've closed off. Oh, Lord. You got to visit the time you got abused. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. you gotta, I'm sorry. You got to visit it. You got to visit it the time that teacher said that thing to you that you'd never be nothing. It set you. It, something happened psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally to you. And you just, you, you, you just something. You said, I will never be hurt like that again. And guess what that happens? So when you, when you build that as a stronghold in your mind and a lie that you tell yourself that every hard word is pain, when someone calls you to repentance, you don't hear your need to repent from sin as something good. You hear it as a trauma of pain because of where it came from. And so that's why you, that's why you need therapy and community and Bible reading and fasting and prayer. You need all that stuff all the time in your life. So, so that God can, God say, see, this is where that came from. Yeah. You need somebody sitting on the couch and say, what's that, what's that I'm hearing? I keep hearing a reoccurring thing. I can't get hurt again. Where did that, where did that start? Uh-huh. Somebody said, I don't know. Think back. Come on now. When was the first time that you said, I will never be hurt again? Oh, it was a classroom. 
when that teacher said that to you in front of everybody? And what started happening after that? And what started happening? And then you'd be like, you're going to break. That's how, that's how you know you got a good count. You, you just break down crying. Yeah. It was at that moment. And from there, now un- repentance has been unlocked for you. Listen, you and I, we have to do the work. <laughs> that's why God wants it deep within. So you got to, let me just tell you, you don't go deep within yourself on your own. You don't. You think you do. I know myself. No, you don't. No. You don't know you're crazy. No. I don't know the depths of my crazy. I need help ciphering out the crazy. All right. We all do. <laughs> and that's why David had a Nathaniel. Because he came in there and told him a story, decapitated him at the end of the story. <laughs> that's, that's a good prophet. And we ain't got no prophets like that today. You the man. We got other kind of prophets, right? He said, listen, I want you to hear this as, I, as, I begin to, as we begin to get the end of this, right? I want you to hear what David keeps saying. He keeps saying two things. He keeps letting you know the depths of his sin, and he does something else. Number two, he keeps asking to be clean. Over, he says it in different artistic ways. He even says here, purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. He's asking for three things. This is not racial where white is pure. It's talking about biblical white. Real white in our world that we call culturally white isn't white white. So uh, for the woke person that's in here talking about, see that's why I don't like the Bible. White as snow means clean. No, that's not what it's saying that white is, help me. So what is David asking for? He's asking for three things. He's asking for cleanliness, forgiveness, and newness. These are three important things. He's asking for cleanliness. That means when the place is reclaimed off, it has a new start. Because now, God, when you've gotten to that root and you pulled that root, something else can grow there now. That's why you got to uproot all these lies so that so that God can put. So you need cleanliness, but you need forgiveness because you got to know that your standing with God is right again. That's super important. But then you need to be new. That's why he says this. Listen to what he says. This is this how you this is how you know. Right. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. This is it's a strange thing to say. What do you mean, David? Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Um, What is he saying? He's basically saying, God, let me enjoy being saved again. I know that's simple. You know, I mean, but he he says, let my, my covenant life with you not be a weight, but a glorious journey again. Give me the joy to lift my hands again. Give me the joy to say hallelujah again. Give me the, the, the joy to say bless your name. Look, God, restore to me covenantal enjoyment. I believe so many people in our day to day are covenantally depressed. We need, we need God to restore covenantal enjoyment. We would call it enjoyment of the Christian life. David says something powerful, and I, I, I didn't see it in this sentence today. He says, 
Create in me a clean heart. Now, you got to understand what he's saying. Oh! This thing is crazy. The Bible, I'm sorry, y'all. The Bible just blows my mind about how it just goes together. He says, Barach in me a clean heart. The word Barach is used in Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God Barach the heavens and earth. And the earth was formless and void. Formless and void means a messy mass of, uh, of trash. Right? A primordial mess. God, in creating that, that's called chaos stuff. I, I can't talk about it now. I'm going to do chaos from chaos to creation later. But ba basically, people think that the earth was made from material that God spoke into existence afterwards. But he did something that had some material already there. Bara doesn't just mean to create out of nothing. It means to repurpose mess. In other words, when he stepped out, it says, and the earth was tohu vuvohu. It was formless and void. And when he began talking, the earth repurposed itself into a celestial sphere and began spinning on its axis at a certain amount of pace. And the sun and all of the, all of the planets came into place on their axis and they revolved around the sun. And if the sun uh, 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 went at a certain pace slower or faster, everything would come up off it. But he's, he, he brought it into existence for the chaos to come into creation. And when it came into creation, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. He says, create Barak in me a clean heart. Take this mess. And repurpose my values, repurpose my emotions, repurpose my will. Create in me what doesn't exist. Come on now. I, I, I don't know. He, he, and he knows that only God can do it. He said, Create in me. And he said, Renew a, a willing spirit. And the old church said, I want to do right spirit. Woo! Lastly, restoration. I'm done. Restore joy. Listen, restoration of joy just, again, means bringing it back into functional existence. Um, <laughs> recently, um, uh, you know, I, I love sitting on my back porch. Um, have a little back porch back there, a little covering. And um, some of the outlets went out. Um, and, of course, I'm talking to the electrician about after he uh, fixed the outlets and everything. He said, make sure that you always unplug everything when you're done with it. I said, why? He says, because there's still power going into it, even though it's not turned on. He said, it may not be turned on, but the power is always on. Y'all ain't going to hear me. Listen, when you know Jesus, you're always plugged in. And power is always coming to you. The question is, are you turned on? Repentance turns power back on in you. You're not Repentance isn't reconnecting with God. Jesus Christ 
already secured your connection with God. You just need to turn on the on switch of repentance so that the power that's already connected to you and flowing through you turns you back on and you work properly again. Listen, man, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has made his life available to you. And, and, and my prayer is, is that you would, you and I, I'm talking to myself, talking to myself, that we would, that we would walk in all of these things. We, 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 we would walk in relinquishing. We, we need to relinquish, relinquish what we think we're supposed to get. We need to relinquish it and call our sin what it is. Um, we need renewal. We need God to give us a brand new recharge. But finally, we need restoration. Replacement. What does the psalmist say? He says, once I'm, once I'm different, I'm going to start teaching people. He said, I'm going to start teaching people how wax sin is. I'm gonna, I'm, 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 listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I want to do things differently. That's how you know you, you're repentant. Because now you want to do things differently and you want to snitch on yourself and give your testimony, not as scripture, but in partnership with the word to, to tell people, stay away from where I went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what David is saying. I, I want to teach people. That's how you know you've been restored because you want to shut down the sin factory. I'm done. Maybe you're here today and you never met the glorious one, the, the mighty one, the ruler of lights himself, Lord, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus gives you the opportunity to get a restart on life. He takes your current material and he redoes it. He barrages you. He creates a newness. That's what he does. He creates a newness of you. And it's beautiful because... Um, that is beyond a hope. It's a reality of what he does when you put your confidence in God through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to make you and I brand spanking new. And it involves repentance, acknowledging and turning from and turning towards him. That's faith, my faith. You do that. And he'll put you, he'll positionally restore you. That means you're on a team, but then he puts you through the lifelong boot camp of training, of growing you and developing you and nurturing you. That's the beauty of this thing. If that's you, and you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ dying on the cross, getting up from the grave, um, our search team will put something either on Facebook or on YouTube. It's on both. And you just go ahead and email them and let them know that you want to talk to someone and we want to talk to you more about Jesus Christ. I pray that as we work through this series on simplicity, um, I'm just picking a few simple things that's a part of the Christian life that we need to make a deep part of our life. Um, it's accessible. It's not just about foundational doctrine. It's about simple realities in Scripture that can take us a long way. Repentance, I'm telling you, can take you a long way. And um, 
Listen, God loves it when people repent. Listen, when David, when, when David repented, he didn't lose his covenant. <laughs> when uh, Paul repented, he gave him a new ministry. You understand? When Peter repented, he told him, go on, he said, when you, when, you, when you turn, go encourage your brothers. Listen, repentance doesn't mean it's over for you. Repentance is actually the newest beginning that you can experience. So, 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 so believer out there, in your relationships, first off with God, be honest with him, with others around you. Begin working out some relationships. You need to get in some hard rooms with some people. I want to give you an assignment. If, I'm not talking about getting a, a room with your abuser. That's not what I'm talking about. That's unhealthy. If you were abused physically by someone, um, and you're an adult and haven't used kids, that's, that's whatever you go through to do that, do that. Or if you were raped by someone as an adult, whatever, I'm not telling you to go after that person. But I'm, but I'm telling you for the most part, I'm talking about just general relational issues. There's some people that you may not ever be buddy-buddy tight with, but you do, they, they, you do need a conversation. So I'm going to challenge you. Go ahead and call a conversation with that person. Say, yo, let's meet up on Zoom. Let's Let's get up together. Some of you gonna need a mediator in there because you 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 know if you keep it real, you kill each other in there. So some of y'all need like a couple mediators um, in the room to just kind of help it to be a repentance down on, not a royal rumble. Amen. Well, let's get our hearts and minds ready for communion. Communion is what we do every week because we, this, this, this is not impersonal, an impersonal ordinance in the church. It is, besides baptism, communion or the Lord's table, when it was first done, it was done, done simultaneously during the Passover. as a way to point us ultimately to Jesus as the one who stayed God's wrath. We do this in remembrance of what he did and as a way to center ourselves. First Corinthians chapter 11. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he took it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, he took the cup, gave it to the disciples, said, this is my body, this is my blood, blood of the new covenant, which is shared for you and for many. Let us drink together. Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, help us, Lord God, to get to the core things in our life that we need to get to to grow, to develop, but particularly things we got to repent of, sins, things that happen to us and our response to it. Help us to mature. And as the church grew up into one new man, help us not to run from conflict, but seek to apply the truth of your word by the power of your spirit to those conflicts. Even the ones we're going to experience this week. Now unto him, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. 
To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Take care. Have a good one. Much love to you. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.